What can we learn from a CEO founder of a now scale-up who used to be a startup of seven people when I met him? I'm talking with Thomas Leplaar, the CEO and founder of Nodalview, which is a sales and marketing platform for real estate agents. It's an amazing conversation about sales, marketing and leadership and of course all the lessons and failures in hindsight that Thomas has learned. Enjoy this very passionate entrepreneur Thomas Lepelaar. Welcome to What's on Your Mind with Peter Snowart. Every week a guest talks about his or her story and that story can inspire you to change your own. Here's Peter. Now, we're going to immediately go to the core, Thomas. It's been a while <laughs> since we talked to each other. I think it. I think yeah. it's, I don't know, three, four years? More? Yeah, two, three years, I think, yeah. Yeah. Pre-COVID. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. Now, when, when, um, when we first met each other, I still remember that vividly, Thomas. And what I recall from that, uh, from that meeting is that uh, I, I, I still remember you were still yeah, young as a company and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and searching. Um, and what I found so fascina fascinating about you is that you have studied something but you did not do anything with it. And you started a company uh, called Nodalview, um, and, and which has actually nothing to do with your studies. And I find that a very interesting story. Yeah, so actually my, um, my academic background was a bit uh, atypical. Uh, um, I, I jumped out of business school uh, to start learning computer science. So I really loved uh, computer science when I was... Uh, uh, not computer science. I loved building websites when I was younger, playing around with computers. <clears throat> and I was uh, studying in, um, in, a, in a very popular uh, business school in, in, in Brussels. And I wasn't really finding my, um, I, I wasn't really passionate about what I was studying. And I think I'm a profile that if I'm not really passionate about it, I don't go all in. Uh, but what I was really passionate about was, um, was computer science. And I actually, um, um, fell in love with this platform called edX and edX it's an online initiative from harvard and mit um, that produces online classes um, a bit of as, as a as an open source concept um, and so there was a ton and a ton of computer science classes out there and you know this was a, a, almost 10 years ago i think um, and so i was really trying to learn as anything that i could uh, with computer science um, and then i fell in love particularly with one specific course which was called engineering software as a service uh, it was a a class given by Berkeley, uh, which was bringing together computer science knowledge with kind of a, a distributed cloud system, which called Amazon. Um, and so it was teaching you to build this large scale application, but also hosting it on, on, on an infrastructure. And I remember, I think uh, back then we, we talked a lot about infrastructure. Yep. And, and what I found fascinating was that I was always a bit stuck in, in, in my younger days when I was building a website of, you know, it's a static HTML, you play around a bit with PHP and stuff like that. And, and it felt that it, you, you couldn't really go deeper into static pages with a database and stuff like that. Um, and when, when I started to discover all of the endless possibilities of, of cloud computing and, and everything that Amazon had to offer, it was the first time that I had this click of, okay, you can actually build these incredible applications, uh, but making it universally accessible through a web browser. Um, and that really fascinated me. And, and, and I decided to, to learn as much as I could in there and, and to, uh, to play around with uh, uh, as, much as, as much features as I could. Um, and, and that kind of a couple of years later uh, translated into launching an MVP for Nodalview, 
par hasard a bit and then kind of uh, starting to sell our solution to real estate agents. So yeah, a bit of an atypical, uh, atypical academic background. So if my mom listens to this podcast, she will definitely remember the hectic days of me saying that I'm, I'm always going to stop a business, a business school. <laughs> um, and then also an interesting entrepreneurial story afterwards. Yeah. And, but your mom, they, she, or they supported you or they had said, Thomas, don't do that. You're going to throw away your life. You should finish your studies and go for a corporate environment and earn lots of money and drive with a big BMW yeah. and wear a suit. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm just, I think um, my father was super supportive and, and my mom was more uh, preoccupied as, as, as parents uh, typically are, right? Uh, pretty big risk and it's true that it's a bit of an unconventional uh, background and definitely, um, you know, now a couple of years later, being more mature and, and more adult, something where you you should still probably stick to the traditional, uh, um, to the traditional academic background. I still think it's a it's a safer bet than trying to uh, to do it differently. But then again, you're always smarter in hindsight. So, uh, but, so yeah. Are, are, but are you now saying that you, you, you I, I assume you don't regret that you took that decision? No, I, think I, I, would, yes. I think it's um I, I think I would never recommend it to someone who would say, Oh, I'm going to drop out of uh, of school to launch a business. It's a very risky move. That's what what, what I what, what I think. And and you know, entrepreneurship it's pretty difficult. It's insanely rewarding, but it's still relatively complicated and, and there's hard times. Um, and I still think it's it's a safer, more um reasonable choice to say okay continue two extra years and then launch your business um, you know studies their general knowledge studies you you learn a lot of thing, things about critical thinking and so forth and so i still think you're safer off in the industry with a you know a, a traditional bachelor's or master's or whatsoever so mm -hmm. i think it's a safer bet probably to to continue but then again i'm, I'm super happy that i did it and and I would have never learned um, the curiosity to, to look into computer science and, and to understand how everything works, which is actually super useful now in, in, in the way that we built NodeView. It, it also allowed us to uh, build a super, super lean uh, startup for three years before getting uh, funding from, from Volta yep. Ventures um, because most of the, the engineering costs was absorbed by late hours and, and, and extremely, long, um, extremely long weeks. Um, and, and that clearly helps when you're building uh, you're building your own product and your own company. So yeah, no, yeah. no regrets. Now, I want take me, um, I mean, you say entrepreneurship is difficult, challenging, and at the same time, it's very rewarding. It's very recognizable. Um, if you could redo it again, what would you do different in, in hindsight? Oh, I think that so, so no no story is pretty interesting because we we kind of didn't really start specifically with the goal of building a company. Uh, we came together with with three different pro, co-founder profiles, um, different horizons, different ages, different backgrounds. Also an interesting story. Um, and and I think what we did is we 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 built a lean startup. Um, you know, where every euro is counted until we had to make it back before the end of the year. We, we launched with a, um, luckily enough, with a, uh, someone who was able to guarantee us a loan. And, and, and we, it took us three years to raise a venture capital money. Um, I think if we would do it again, and the thing that I would change is I would try to go to market as quickly as we did. We went to market like extremely early in, uh, with, with a very 
um, approximate product. Um, mm -hmm. But that helped us build this in incredible feedback of, you know, indeed now we're selling to real estate agents, but I had no affinity with real estate agents apart from moving a bit around when I was younger with my mom and hating to do the visits because I saw some really bad pictures on Web and then arriving on place and saying, oh, it's not what we were looking for. Um, but so definitely go to market. But I think we would, um, um, at some point, you feel that you have a right product and you feel that you have a product market fit. Um, I would probably try to raise uh, a bit less capital, but sooner on to really mm. feel that acceleration momentum. Uh, because it took us, we, we waited three years to, to raise our first round uh, with Volta Ventures, which was then a, 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 a comf considerable amount. It was 1.7 million in seed. Uh, but I would probably do it a bit sooner. If you feel that you have the model, that you have the, uh, the market and the potential to, to, to scale internationally and, and to, to, to grow this out into a um, category-defining product, then I would probably try to, to go a bit sooner to, to external investors to, to really step, uh, step on the gas. And and you say you say I would uh, um, recruit capital sooner, but lower. Why? Yeah. Why? Well, because <clears throat> I think the in the early days, of course, because you're a founder, you do a lot of things yourself. Um, and mm -hmm. I think this is something that I've, I've learned over the years with uh, Frank Mann from Volta being uh, being on our board. Is you really start to get speed once you get some senior people uh, on board. And I think it's something that if you build a lean startup too long, it's definitely something that you put off. Uh, and it's still yeah. hard now to hire senior people with experience that cost a lot of money. And, and it's kind of your, your, your startup uh, um, mindset of trying to do as much as possible with as, as little as possible. But I think getting those people are, are essential and they help you build like the, the, the basis of your processes, the basis of your, even the foundations of your product and so forth, um, which you pay later on if you haven't got them really in check yes. um, early on. Yeah. I um I have another one. Um, it's um well as you know we've met each other through Frank. Um, and and I've worked with Frank in a startup. He used to be also a kind of a sales manager, and in in that typical startup, um, one of the things that I learned, um, and this is something that people don't talk about, is is mindset. And um, I was not aware. I was not conscious of the fact that I had a very limited, I think, small mindset. If I compare that then to the then CEO founder, he was like, oh, "We're going to conquer the world." And as a as a Belgian, as a Flemish guy from uh, from Bruges, the Venice of the North, I I was conditioned with thinking very small, and that mm -hmm. that was typically um, if. I want to surround myself with people who challenge my mind, who, who, I, who, yeah, who say, why is that not possible? Yeah, Peter, it cannot be done. And since then, I have a very, I, I exaggerate a little bit, but everything's possible. If they say it cannot be done, I'm like, why? Why not? Why? Tell me why. Why, why is it not possible? And I think really having that like, kind of people around you and really challenging your mindset. But I, that was never something I was aware of. Do you recognize mm -hmm. that or do you think it's complete BS? No, no, I think it's actually one of the things that I appreciate the most. Um, so we, I often get asked, like, would you raise money again? And, and of course, with the, the current market conditions of, of you know, venture yeah. capital slowing down, everyone's like, oh, probably not a good idea. Cash burning companies. Well, not like, but um, I think... Um, to be honest, I, I would 100% do it again. I think that one of the things that I appreciate the most beyond the kind of emotional support and, and, and having 
people that, that help you grow as founders and, and as, as, as professionals, it's, it's kind of indeed this, this thing of saying, but why not? <laughs> you're present in, in France, Belgium, Spain, Portugal, like why not go to an extra country? And you're like, ah, yes, but this. And, and so that constant kind of push to, to basically be a better, um, not a better version of yourself, but to, to basically outpace whatever ambition you set for yourself, uh, I think is, is something that's very rewarding. And, and I know that I, I, I really like the extra challenge and, and I love the, the extra push because it's always, um, even when times get hard, it, it's, a, it's a push. It's like uh, motivation. It's like helping you. How can we get there together? It's never, uh, it's never top down or you should do this or you should do that. And I think it's something that I, I really appreciate in, the, in general with, with all of our investors that we have on board, but it's, uh, it's this kind of a friendly push to mm. be even more ambitious than what you probably were. And, yeah. and that is something that is a, a true empowering feeling as, as, as a founder and as a CEO to have people that are constantly rooting for you and, and have a, a very close and, and alignment with you uh, on that. If you have the choice, if you could have two investors, two VCs, one uh, who brings a lot of experience to the table, but is a smaller funds, but is really hands-on compared to the other one, which is a very big one, but has more like tourists, I'm exaggerating again, tourists, um, people who are watching Excels all the time and just sitting in your board. Um, uh, I mean, it's, it's um, I think it's from, I think it was from uh, Give or Take from Adam Grant. That's in that book. He, he mentioned that example, that one of the, that CEO founder that he chose in the end for the, the smaller funds with the practical, it's not only about the money. It's certainly not about the money. If it's only about the money they bring, that's not enough. They have to bring that mindset, that challenge, yeah. that network, um, thinking with you, challenging with you. Do you also believe that? Yeah, 100%. I think people talk about this like smart money, right? I think it's identifying, and I would definitely recommend this also to, to any founder that is looking to, to raise um to raise capital, I think you, you, you should always um, aim to target funds that you really believe uh, can bring value to your, to your journey because it is a journey as creating a, a startup. Uh, and, and I think beyond the, the, the money itself, which is kind of a, a means to get to your next, uh, to your next level, the most important thing is, is the, first of all, the personal fit with the people that will be um, in your business for a long time that will be with you most often outside of a boardroom than in a boardroom. Um, and, and I think having a confidence that you can work with those people is the most important thing. And then analyzing and, and for example, even before valuation, I have so many people say, oh yeah, but what, what about valuation and this and that and don't you think? Mm. And I have the impression that um, it's always much more important to get the right partner on board, to get uh, someone with who you have a really strong relationship um, for the long run, it it, it pays off uh, yeah, tenfold. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would always prefer to have the well-connected, emotionally invested uh, um, investor who actually, by the way, also knows when to be there, but also knows when to step back and and, and give some breathing space to uh, to, to founders. Um, then then those really really big found funds where everything is just numbers and, and you don't really get yeah. the, the support that you need to, to, to grow. Of course, it depends yeah. on your stage and on your size and on your need, but yeah, I, I would, I would always favor the, the first one. Yeah. Now um, we're going to slightly uh, change course here a little bit. Um, when I've met you um, is I still recall that you had a, a developer 
um, you were also very hands-on, as you just explained in the beginning, technically seen. I mean, in an, in an ideal situation, um, I mean, I assume you're not Superman and you're not wearing your underwear above your pants, and so you cannot do it all. This means that in, in a good... Um, that's the thing I learned, is the in, a, in, a, in an ideal situation, you have like a more technical person who has a yeah. vision. Then you have like a commercial person. Um, and then you, you, you have somebody maybe combined who is good at numbers, at, uh, at, at Excel sheets, for instance, who, who knows numbers. I mean, yeah. um, how, I mean, when you started with the people and right now, because I don't know the situation right now, how you are structured. I mean, if you look at that journey there again, what would you do different? I think it's one of the, the, the biggest learnings of, of um, what we've what we've learned during Norugu. I think it's um, um, it, it's important to have a diverse set of uh, founders. Um, I think it's definitely important to have complementary founders with a very much aligned long-term vision. Um, I think you know we had some unfortunate events where you're not always aligned with with the long-term vision of a um, um, of your initial co-founders and that's fine. Uh, it's just that you, it's always tricky to, to, to get out of those situations. Um, but I do agree that it's, it's important, especially the, the founders, they, they, they continue to bring something inside of a company, which is that long-term vision, that true passion, that true understanding of how the product should fit, how it should be sold, how it should be presented. And <clears throat> it's something that's very difficult to kind of ship off to someone else. And then indeed at different sizes, you start having super important things. Uh, and that's one of the key hires that we made, which was a, a kind of a um, VP finance uh, CFO profile, which is now instrumental, especially now in, in, uh, in kind of the challenging uh, fundraising moments. Uh, and I think as you grow as a company, you start identifying, you know, at some point you start to have more structure. So you're going to go for a COO slash CFO profile. Some points you need to scale out your sales team. So you're going to be big folks on your VP sales and on your, who's going to be your commercial. Uh, and then at some point it's going to be um, either product or CS and you're going to say, oh, now we also need a CS leader. Uh, but I think in the founding team, it's, it's, I definitely think it's also easier to go into this journey if you have a very, very strong co-founder uh, because sometimes a bit being a lonely, uh, lonely at the top feeling of, of a founder, if you don't have someone who is there constantly to, to also challenge you and, 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 push that drive, I, I definitely think it's difficult. And then of course it's, yeah, stepping on, on each other's toes. If you're too, too complimentary, if you're not complimentary enough and you, you, you're too exactly the like the, the, the replica as the other person and, and you don't specialize, it's fine to start off the same, but then you need to, to, to specialize down the road. Yeah, I, I think it can create friction and, and I think it definitely um, has been proven that it doesn't always end perfectly well. Um, but so, yeah, being complimentary and having a, I think having a strong co-founder or co-founders is, is super essential. Um, and I think it's also one of the, the main aspects that if you're looking at these to grow via venture capital, it's one of the first things that they're going to look at is, is, is always the team. Um, so, yeah, it, it definitely also helps you build a strong team. And Nodal view, how many co-founder founders are there right now? Two? So we're three, <coughs> we are three, three in the beginning, uh, and now um, we're we're two. Um, 
and so there's Mike, who's very, very um, focused on computer vision, image enhancements, which, which is kind of a core element of Notary, right? We help real estate agents produce super high quality visuals, so photography great, photographer great visuals um, by leveraging smartphone technology. But we've also built now this whole sales and marketing platform, kind of a sales enablement solution on top of that uh, for real estate agents. So, so Mike is, is still there and, uh, and myself, of course. Mm, I still remember that. Wow. Now we're going to, again, turn a little bit of the round. Um, you just mentioned you're the founder. I mean, I recall you and you still are. Maybe it's even, yeah, it has an increased. You are a very passionate person um, as a person, but also about Nodal View. I don't think there is a better salesperson than you to sell Nodal View to a prospect. I mean, and it's, it's normal because it's your baby. Mm. Now, what did you hire first, a marketeer or a sales or did you at the same time and why? Um, so the first person we hired was a marketeer, exactly for the reason is I consider myself as um, commercially gifted, I would say, or, or comfortable. I don't know if it's gifted, but uh, comfortable having a sales conversation. Um, and the nature of our business, because we have a, a very high volume, low ARPA business, is, is we, ha we have to rely structurally on inbound marketing. Um, okay. I'm not a marketer. Uh, I don't know how, how it, uh, understand how it works, but don't know how to execute it. So the first thing that we actually went looking for was someone who would be able to structure our inbound marketing strategy. And actually, interestingly enough, before we raised funds, we'd never spent a euro on well, we'd spend a tiny bit on like, you know, 50 euros on Facebook ads to see what happened, but no kind of structural way. Um, and it was only uh, word of mouth of people using the product and really loving the product. So that's definitely something that I would also recommend. It's always focusing on your product first and, and talking to your customers and being as close as possible and delivering value. Uh, but so we went out to, to, to hire um, uh, a marketer first just to get that inbound machine going on um, lead generation. So... We're very big on tracking um, mm. and, and measuring and, and optimizing channels to have yeah. the best ROI and cost of acquisition and, and, and all of those things. And so that's who the person who we hired first. Yeah. Now, wait, wait. Eh? I mean, you have marketeers and you have marketeers. I mean, I assume you have right now a kind of a growth marketeer um, who specialized in that. How did you know that that person was the right person? Because... At, because I never worked in marketing since like three years, I would never have spotted that kind of person because there is no such a thing as a marketing person. They all have their specialities. Uh, and inbound is a very is a very specific um, skill set. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it's true, and um, it's still a tricky question because it's it's hard, and I and I feel that also at, at the stage of growth that you're at, your your marketing needs. Um, change right at some point it's uh, just about tracking then at some point it's about messaging at some point it's about web type, website optimization and so the, the profile of your of your marketer is going to change and it's, it's actually very difficult to, to find a, a profile that will fit all of those specific no. needs as you move forward um, I think one of the essential things that we've done and, and we you know note of you we I think when we met we were probably six seven yeah. people I think yeah, um, and today we're, we're, we're 70 plus 
um, 75 plus. So we're, we're, we're a, 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 good, a good bunch. And so we've, we've learned to hire quite a lot. Um, and I think one of the most important things that we've always looked for at Nordview was, was um, curiosity and passion. Um, you talked about passion. It's, it's one of my most um, important uh, traits that I look for when we hire because curious and passionate people even if they don't know how something works, they will always, they will always find a way to make it work and to understand it. And once you understand it, you can build it and, and, and execute on it. Um, and so I think the, the most important thing that, that we were looking for in, in our early marketing was someone who was passionate about creating an inbound marketing funnel, flywheel, however you want to call it. Um, mm. and, and, and that's actually how we went on. And so finding someone that was above all, passionate, who had a tiny bit, of course, of relevant experience always helps. Uh, and, and then that capacity of that person to kind of sell his vision on how do you set up an inbound marketing engine for a SaaS company? Um, that's definitely something that, that, was, that was essential. And, and I think that's how we, uh, how we did it. Uh, and that's how we found our, our first um, uh, head of marketing uh, back then. And, and, and that worked pretty well. I think yep. uh, it's still tricky to find the perfect profile, but yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't exist. Um, the now, um, so you have high volume, low value deals. Um, yeah. Does this mean, is there a salesperson involved in, okay, the inbound lead comes in, I assume they will get a mail or it's in a CRM automatically imported. I mean, I assume it's, it's automated. Uh, now, is, is there then a sales involved to close that deal? Yeah. Yeah, and this okay. is we actually had an interesting um, an interesting sales journey because we, I think we we made a couple of mistakes along the way or, or learnings. Let's call them learnings because you never really make. But well, wait, 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 Thomas, wait, wait. I, we're coming to come to that. But what I want to know <laughs> is, eh, no, no, it's a very important one that I learned, and I want to know your vision about it. Is that when you have inbound marketing, leads are yep. coming in, yep. great. When you don't have leads, you're happy that you have leads. So yet you have mails that you can connect with. But there is also a very dark um, thing with it. I have had the, the situation where I didn't have leads for marketing. And I've been in a situation where I have like millions of leads of marketing, which is the yeah. dark thing. And which means that you need lots of salespeople doing qualification and discovery calls. Yeah. But at the same time, they were targeting the wrong target group of people. Yeah. And it's not about the fault of marketing because there isn't that there's always, you try something, you adjust uh, until you find, you get the messaging right and, and all the all the tools and whatever. Um, did you, how, how did you, did you have that situation? Because I can imagine when you're doing good marketing, you're suddenly getting lots of leads in and then you're overwhelmed in sales. And then you need to look like, okay, um, hey, lots of leads, but conversion is really low. There's something wrong here. Yeah, yeah and I think that's, <clears throat> so the areas of Nodu, we, 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 we built a free trial where people would be able to test out the free mm -hmm. trial based on one specific subset of, of a feature of NodoView. And the only people that we would target was through like very... So we, we were very heavy on what's called app search optimization. So it's basically you're in the app store, you're, you're searching for a couple of keywords, you find something, you download it. And that's how, and, and of course, word of mouth, which is saying like, use NodeView, it's great, blah, blah, blah. And so our, our early days of before even having marketing was we were detecting these people who were doing a free trial. They were trying out, 
we were still calling them. So we still have, um, uh, we still had a sales motion, but that's just purely linked to our ICP, you know, real estate agent, pretty traditional guy will never just pull out his credit card and, 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 and order without speaking to someone, right? Impossible. But so that's just linked to our ICP. And, and so what we had in it's today, actually what we still have, it's, um, it's a, a PLG motion. So getting people to sign up through the product, test the product out, and then be assisted during their free trial. So of course, these, these sales profiles, they're a bit hybrid because you start still uh, recommending. And what we did at some point, we said, okay, now we're going to turn on the marketing machine. So we indeed, we started generating leads and we were like, oh, great. Now, you know, we have leads. We have a ton of people clicking, uh, filling out forms, downloading eBooks. And we, we started to create this super complicated machine. Uh, so lead MQL numbers went, went up, right? So definition of, of each stage, also an interesting, uh, interesting topic. But we had uh, MQLs coming in and then indeed we started to have so much volume that we said, okay, we need now... Um, you know, traditional uh, SaaS uh, sales setup. Let's do SDRs that qualify opportunities and then AEs who uh, pass on the opportunities to, to to do demos. But actually that doesn't work in a low ARPA. I mean, it's 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 unhealthy in a low ARPA, uh, high volume um, situation. It took us a couple of times to, to, to realize that. But, but indeed we had those kind of qualifications and people were just happy on saying, oh, I booked a demo, so my job here is done. A customer was speaking to two different sales reps uh, yeah. didn't understand why. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so it, it, that the qualification question is still one of the hardest things is how do you qualify people as much as possible through touch points in your marketing funnel or in your free trial journey? And so now we're trying to, to push that more and more. And then do you still target people in the right funnel? So in those early days of that free trial, we said, oh, we have fantastic conversion on the free trial. And then every single ad we did would point to the free trial, except that the free trial was focused on one feature of one part of the product and our ads were talking about new features. And so people were being pushed into a free trial that they couldn't, couldn't test out. And so at some point we also realized that we, we had to focus on those, those journeys and, and where are people clicking? How yeah. are they coming in? How are they becoming a marketing qualified lead and, and, and so forth? Yeah, but that's, that's the thing. I mean, you can, it's, it really depends on what you want. You want lots of demos or free trials, or do you want lots of customers who are using the product in the right yeah. way and creating value with it? And it's, it's a, it's really, it's, it's really a sub, subtle thing, but it's a very important one. Now I'm going yeah. to unleash the passion, the fire in you about the sales stories. Mm -hmm. You, I mean, you mentioned a little bit the SDRs, AIs. Um, so go, what, what, what is then the, 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 the juicy stories you, you, you have oh. seen? Because the sales thing is indeed, and it's the thing that okay, marketeers, but everybody that I have spoken with, talk me. Yeah, Peter, but that kind of sales and this and this, it's everywhere the same because there is no such a thing as the, the right salesperson. It's really about, I mean, if I would be you, I would indeed start with curiosity and passion. And do you really believe in what we're doing here? That's for me yeah. crucial. Yeah, and I so I, I we had a, an early mentor in in at NodeView who was a, a fantastic uh, person who I learned quite a lot from David Dupré from um, XVP yeah. Sales of, of, of Showpad. I'm sure you you know. Um, yeah. And he told me when in in, in in our coaching sessions, he said, "Thomas, you have to read a book. It's called uh, the Sales Acceleration Formula uh, by Mark Rober." And I remember I was it was just before my holiday, so I was flipping through it during my holidays. I was like, "Oh my god, this is exactly what we." This is this is it, right? This this book is gold, and, and we actually still recommend it to every salesperson that, or sales manager at least, who who, who joins here at Nodeview. Um, and one thing that I that I most liked in in his book was um, 
the fact that every salesperson has a different profile. Right? So you have people who are really strong on calls, people that are really strong on email outreach, people that are really strong on converting demos. Um, and I think the, the tricky thing is, is that you have a, a diverse sales team. And I think one of the errors we made is we tried to hire only the same salespeople. So, you know, you, you kind of tend to hire people that look like you. And so if, if, if they're not like you, you're like, oh, oh. Um, and so one of the, one of the things that, 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 that we see is if you end up having a, a sales team that is too much the same, you also can't measure who's performing well, who's performing, who's not performing and so forth. Um, and so what we're trying to do now is we're trying to diversify the, the kind of people that we hire. And actually it's, it's still something that is super complicated is what will make you a good salesperson at NodalView and, and what will be the, the defining characteristic of, of making you a great salesperson in, in our environment. And I think this is something that we learned over the years is enterprise sales are very, very different than SMB sales. Um, the principle is the same. The sales cycle are the same, are, are much, much shorter, but a very good enterprise sales rep who is going to close a, a contract with ING or a huge bank might not be the same person that will work well in, in our end of the, the SaaS spectrum because for us it's 20 demos per or 40 demos per month. It's volume, it's, it's, it's getting people over and over. But what you do find is you still have to find that person that is triggered by, like he, he has to be hungry. Um, those salespeople, they have to be super hungry. They have to be target driven. They have to really buy in into your into your, your product vision because they are the ones that are going to have to, to sell it in the end, right? Um, so yeah, so I'm not sure there's an ideal sales profile, um, but for us, it's trying to identify that, we call it grit, because I think as a yep. salesperson, it is a, it is a complicated job. And how do you identify grit of someone who will just be like relentless in the way that he follows up because we are in a high volume plus, you know, we call real estate agents, they're always busy, they're never available and stuff like that. So you really have to have someone who, uh, you know, I think now we have 14 touch points with a, with a person in, in sales, but who is going to do 28 touch points per person and, and, and do that and, and do it relentlessly. Um, and so I think the finding grit, it, it's, it's super important. And then we go back to this, you know, when you're comfortable getting leads from marketing, and if at some point you don't have enough leads for marketing, who's going to pick up their phone and fill up his pipeline with the extra 10, 20% of, of opportunity that you need to get to, to get to target. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And that's, um, um, the, the, I don't, I, to be honest, I think there are a couple of things. Um, there is no magic. There's no silver bullet, and the business is there. The time to market is there. I mean, searching for the white rabbit with the white ponytail, it's difficult. So it's always that balance of executing and making a decision with a person that has the pot potentially the potential to go to, to go to a certain place. And at the same time, as you mentioned, I mean, having different complementary um, sales. The, the, the thing that I've learned in the last companies is that when you build... Um, when you have grinta, grit, when a sales, what is, what, is, what is really driving you as a salesperson, really driving you, and it goes really deep. So, I mean, like myself, I want to be a part of a winning team. 
and I want to do my share of the thing. I cannot code. It's not my passion, but I love building companies. It's just the thing mm. that I love. If it's if it's going too easy, yeah, I mean, that that's it's it's not drive me. So it needs to challenge me. Um, and at the same time, I want to be part of a team of persons that I can trust. Um, and what I've learned is indeed, um, if I look at, look at our team, it's a very complementary team. I mean, I like to, and, and the company that I work for right now, they, they work with colors. It's a typical red, blue, yellow, um, blue thing. And um, it's, it's a little bit, exactly, it's a little bit unnuanced. At the same time, it makes things pretty e easy. I'm not a blue guy. This is me this means that I'm I am um I'm good in connection like with you and, and, and going. I have lots of power and energy, being very direct, some provocative, and um that's where people challenge me. But I'm not blue. This means so I'm not the guy who is going to have the fancy fancy detailed presentations. I mean I drop something on the slides and then I have people who are like that. They're good in con the con connection, but they're very blue. So everything needs to be very... And then I learned I have to write uh, everything out. But it's great to have this kind of people because yeah. your prospects, they're not always like me or you. Mm -hmm. They're all also different. And it's really having that, yeah, that vi var variety. And another thing that I find very important is that, make, is that the, the, the team itself needs to work together as like a soccer team or a rock band where the total yeah. becomes more than the sum of the underlying parts because everybody has their own unique thing. The one is better in Excel, the one is better in ROI calculations, the one is better at creating a story or a storyline. It, it, and so when they are helping each other, maximizing, um, then I've seen yeah exponential results. I mean... Because they're using that kind of brain power of working together instead of just com competition. Of course, you need to create some kind of a little bit competition, but it it comes there automatically when people really want to, yeah, be part of the team. They don't want to be the person that brings in the lowest uh, amount of of revenue. Okay. Yeah. The the only thing where I and I also look for grinta grit. I look for passion and curiosity. But the 100% money-driven people, and I love money, and it's good money, and, 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 and you need money, and things like that. But people who are only doing it for the money, I don't want them. So the rather mm -hmm. um, typical Wolf of Wall Street, ego-driven assholes, um, no. I, I, I want team players. I, they can be competitive. They need to be... They, they can take in the room. But the real ego-driven, I don't have anybody. I completely, everybody has an ego. But the, the, you understand the solo lone wolf players lone wolf. who <clears throat> the, the kings, I mean, yeah. it, it, it doesn't. Because you need to work together within sales yeah. and with marketing. And that's the, that's the third thing that I did is that I have pointed somebody in sales who are working together with marketing to really say brutally, these are the leads. Um, this is the MQL, the SQLs, what is the conversion rate, and to look at the facts and mm. not having a marketing. You suck because you don't, uh, I mean, you know, the, 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 the classicals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't work okay. like that. So, and this means that the sales is going to invite the marketeer within sales conversations to really feel 
what is going on, what is the narrative, what are the words people are using to really that the marketeer can feel what yeah. the market is saying. And so they really work together is, is one thing because you can say work together, but it doesn't mean that they're going to do that. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and yeah, and how people, how do you say that? I hire, wouldn't say slow, but I fire fast. So within the three months, I want to know, I want to know um, what's, what's, what's going on because otherwise yeah. the, because normally people are nice and then it becomes like an emotional connection and then it becomes really difficult within the team dynamics to let, let, let people go. Um, yeah. Well. That's actually something that we, we, that, that I, I think I learned the most from, from Frank. Um, I think you guys come from the true sales periods, right? Where probably nobody knew what marketing was and it was just, yeah, you true. do sales, you do sales, right? Yeah. And, and I think it's something that, that Frank has always pushed and, and that I, we have, we have actually implemented and, and I, I really must say it has been a, um, it had a true impact. It's this performance framework that you have to implement and that kind of higher, fast, fire, faster, which is like the traditional catchphrase that everyone hears. Mm. But actually implementing it in a way that it drives the performance of your sales team. So, so one thing that, that we've pushed on recently is making a clear performance framework and standard for when you join. And kind of setting the bar at a certain level. And if you do not meet that bar, you're basically red, amber, uh, red, green, amber, uh, red, sorry. And, and just kind of setting the rules of if you do not hit this, you will be in the red. If you hit this, you're in the amber. And red means that you're on a personal improvement plan. And if you do not get out of the red month afterwards, you are out. And, and it seems pretty strict. And, you know, you're in a startup. You try to, to create a friendly environment and, and everyone is learning and growing. It is great. But it seems a bit harsh. And so you push back on saying, no, but that's too, that's too aggressive for, for our environment. But actually, if you do that and you plug that in all the way up to your recruiting process, where when you recruit salespeople, you explain to them, this is how you will be evaluated. What it tends to happen, well, first of all, there's no taboo around hitting your target or not. If you don't hit it, the rule, the games, I mean, the, the, the rules of the games were clear. You're out if you don't do your target. But it also means that you're collecting people who are target driven, who know what it is and who will say, no, but I can cross what you're, I, I totally understand. And you, I'll never be in the red in your system because I'm a great performer. And then indeed, like not going to that lone wolf, lone wolf, wolf of Wall Street profile. But I think implementing that, it's, it, it's so beneficial because it sets the bar. Yeah. Uh, you, you bring it all the way through to your recruitment process. It allows you to weave out the people that are not target-driven and that are not performance-driven. And sales, it's a performance job, right? You, yes, you have yes. to perform in sales, otherwise you, you can't be in sales. Mm -hmm. And so actually the, 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 the bringing a bit of that, you know, either the up or out also uh, analogy of either you perform and you stay or you don't perform and you're out because you just drag down the team is hugely beneficial and, and I know that yeah. uh, I hope That's it will a, make Frank proud if he listens to this but yeah, yeah but he will listen to this I will make sure he will listen to this Frank <laughs> the, um, but that that's a very important one if you have a team who has a mentality um, of high performance and 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 if you then bring somebody and, and you let somebody stay because he's a nice person etc etc yeah. it's going to I mean, then they become, then, then the rumors will start and then they were like, yeah, but what he, he or she is doing and blah, blah, blah. And then if you don't make decisions, I mean, yeah, sorry, but 
then 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 the team will not take you seriously. So you have to really say this is it and don't sugarcoat it because I mean it sounds really harsh and at the same time I want to bring it in a human way. I say from the beginning, eh, I feel that you are not using your talents uh, in this in this environment in an optimal way. Yeah. Do you agree or not? If they say yeah. no, I don't agree. Okay, let's see what we can do. If they say yes, I agree. Because it, it's for me, it feels like that girlfriend's boyfriend syndrome. And what is it? You're in a relationship with a, yeah, I mean, girlfriend, girl, girl, boy, boy, it doesn't matter for me. And, but you don't have the guts to say, yeah, I don't yeah. feel it anymore. And so you yeah. sit there until you wait until somebody else makes the decision for you. And I had situations like that where I, I really recall that moment. And I said, look, it's not going to work. You're a great person, but your talents, you're wasting your time and your talents here. And that person starts to cry. And he said, you're 100% correct. I didn't have the balls to do it. But So you can also do it in a direct way and at the same time in a human way. Yeah, yeah. 100% agree. I think that's the, the thing that you learn the, the, the most in, in the journey is uh, the, also the rotten apple um, yeah. syndrome where actually one low performer has a much, much bigger impact than yeah. an average performer because you just weigh down like, oh, but if he's slacking off, I'm also going to be slacking off. Um, and I agree. I think it's, um, it's all about creating clarity. And I think that's one of the, the big learnings is the more you create clarity expectations and if you put it in, in a performance framework and you pull that all the way through your recruitment process and make it clear even in your job description, of course, still making it fun and, and, and like uh, you, you kind of attract probably the right people and then it becomes a very black or white conversation, right? It's not emotional. It's you did not hit your target. You knew that if you didn't hit your target two months in a row, you would be out. And of course, there's always personal things and, and there's there's a it's not always just in the numbers, but um, it is a, a way to 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 make sure that you have a high performing team. And it's important because yeah, the, the, I think the worst thing for a salesperson is to be a high performer in a low performing team. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and that's very, uh, very dangerous. Yeah, I, I think as, as a, a high performers tend to be very ambitious and they want to grow and they don't want to be the smartest person in the room. That's something I learned from Frank. He said, if you want to sell something, sure to teach, to make sure that you think you, you are you are teaching to the, the dumbest person in the room. Because if you're doing it for the smartest person, all the others will feel that they are stupid and they you will have absolutely no deal. So, and, and this is something that you need to create an environment where they think, oh, I can learn here. And that's yeah. where they get their ambition. If they know everything, they will leave anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's actually the, um, the continuous learning journey. It's something that we, it's one of the things that, that, that I'm, I'm super passionate about in building Notovi is our promise to everyone who joins Notovi is they will become a better professional. We will help them grow as a professional, uh, whether they stay one year, two years, five years, because that continuous uh, journey as, a, as an employee, uh, I think it's, it's super important to understand that you're always growing, always learning something new. And I think on top of that performance framework, of course, you have to provide um, uh, you have to provide the framework around that the context so that the salesperson can be successful so it's awesome cr training material it's having um, um, you know like a, a great coaching sessions peer-to-peer -peer reviews like all of this so that you really kind of also can say you have no excuse for not performing because we gave you everything but attracting talent also by providing I think nothing excites more a salesperson than to or at least I think a uh, 
a red flag is a salesperson that's not excited by training and a green, really green flag is someone who is hungry to learn as a salesperson. Uh, but providing that coaching and that, <clears throat> that training, and, training and, uh, and learning and development plan for, for salespeople is also super important. I think one of the things we realize is like defining the sales career. What's your sales career? And, and, and working on those steps on how will you grow as a sales professional, it's, it's essential. And, and sometimes you feel like, oh, yeah, but just do sales and you'll see. But it's, it's really important. And finding people with that growth mindset, I think it's also uh, well, essential in building a good team. And this is one for me, the, 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 the ways that I start is first look at the green task. Second is, okay, how do you, where do you get your knowledge? I mean, you have to work harder on yourself than in your job. If you yeah. don't read books, if you don't listen to podcasts, whatever, where you get your, 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 your expertise and knowledge, which needs to be broader than just your product. I mean, sorry, but I mean, it's your responsibility. Yeah. And second, what's your ambition? I mean, you want to become a sales director, sales manager, VP, sales, whatever. Okay. Um, and I have somebody in the team who, who has that. And I say, I'm not going to coach you, um, reward you, whatever, as a, as a sales, but I'm going to do it as a sales director. So actually, you're going to replace me, Alain, mm -hmm. yeah. potentially. But this means that you have more responsibility than a regular sales and, yes. and, and, and it's a very big, tough, challenging situation um, because there are a lot of balls that you need to keep up in the air. But if that's your ambition, I guarantee you, I will give everything that I have in myself to, to give you that. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's, and that makes it very interesting because you, yeah, you, you, you keep them motivated and you, you make them grow. Otherwise they will I wouldn't say get lazy, but there will get a little bit. Yeah, I've been there before, but it's a very particular uh, characteristic that I'm looking for in a person. Not everybody has that. There are people who are happy with the status quo and who who don't have that. I want to come out of my comfort zone and and I go very far in it. Eh? I mean, mm. I, I say you will be an expert in public speaking. You will um, be an expert in recording videos. You will have an own personal brand. You will have to network. And I, it's, it's all those aspects eh? because it's very yeah. broad. And I think those skills are essential uh, in becoming um, their future role. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's something that you also tend to, I don't know if you agree with this, but I have the impression that in your team, if you, if you would kind of say, okay, where do you see yourselves in two, yourself in two years? Kind of the, you know, the, the cheesy question always, but Actually, people who reply, I want to take the spot of my manager, those, those ambitious people that are kind of saying, I want to, not, not my role, but kind of saying, I want to have his role or I want to, to be there, I want to, to grow, are also typically the best performing people yeah, uh, in, in, your, in your sales team. And so it's a good signal of, okay, these people, we have to, to bet on these people in, in the future. And then I think exactly like making sure that you work on this career path of identifying what do you want to do and then with junior people telling them that, you know, things take time and they can't get a promotion every three months. That's also uh, something else to, to work on, but making sure that you build that, that career and that growth map of saying, okay, today you are here. If you do want to be a sales manager in two years, that's a fantastic ambition, but let's cut that down into milestones of six yeah. months. Let's make sure that we learn. Yeah. Like when we meet again in six months, you should have learned whatever. Yeah. You should have mastered this. You should have coached uh, an intern or uh, a newbie yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. and setting those clear defined goals because it's always on top of your job, right? So people say, oh, yeah, yeah but I hit my target. And you're like, yeah, but if you want to step up, you have to do more than just hit your target. And I think that's the, that's the, the, 
a crucial part also of, of building this 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 performing yeah. team and, and then also yeah. growing people within it. And this is something that I learned from David Rupre, um when he was at Showpad when we saw each other. It's like it's also a couple of years yeah. ago, and um, because we have a very strange background because we're all both are musicians and we've met each other during playing music, okay. and when we were eighteen something like that. So there was a very so I saw him then like thirty years or twenty years later in a completely other uh, environment. And he said to me, and this is very true, you typically a sales and sales managers and things like that, they have lots of ego, E-G-O, ego. And they're like, that's typical alpha male, look at me. Uh, I think there is some deep down there, some kind of sexual uh, selection where they want to attract um, yeah, the other species, whatever. But they have a typical... Yeah, boasting of their uh, who they are. Now, it really takes balls to, and that's something also D D David uh, told me, and I fully agree with it. So I have a I have a person who says I want to have your job, and I'm like, great, you can replace me when you are ready. And you have to have that kind of you have to leave your ego out and say if that person yeah. at that time is ready to take over, I'm like, great. I mean, then I can do something completely different because then my job, my mission has been accomplished. And that's fine. It's also what David told me when he was at Showpad. Then if they don't need me anymore, I'm fine with it. And it's seldom that I saw this kind of um, mentality because I really believe that if you want to unlock the potential of people and you see your people as flowers who can grow towards the sun... Sometimes you have to get the fuck out of the way to make them blossom. Yeah. And that's probably a great trigger for understanding who a good sales manager is. A sales manager that can accept that and that can, can accept having one of his junior people say, I want to take your job and, and reacting like that is, is a very good signal of that person is a great sales manager. Because I think you, you also have uh, people that, that manage poorly people and, 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 and kind yeah, of would, yeah. would be very uncertain and like try to push that person away saying, oh, he, she or, or he is rooting for my job. Um, but I 100% agree, and I, I always, when people say that and have the balls to say it, saying, I want to take that job, I, I love it because it shows that people yeah, one are passionate right. about working at your company and that they're yeah. hungry, which is and a great and, and as, having sales. And as a leader, you need to create that kind of emotional safety where people can say that in a way it's respectful and that they know if I say something to him or her, um, that, uh, or to my manager, that he or she will not take that personally and not will um, yeah, be triggered and just take it in. And, yeah. and, and, and now I'm going to be the last part, leadership, because, the, because we only have a couple of minutes left. I want to respect your time. The last question, eh, you, we talk about, eh, I want to change and uh, take your job and things like that. Thomas, I mean, if I'm correct, you're the CEO right now. Eh? Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I... I'm now leading a sales team in a company of 90 persons. And to be honest, it's a lot. It's I think it's a lot. I I like the 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 the, the typical 20, 30 persons companies. And being a CEO of uh <coughs> and that's Frank Manu who taught me that. He said, because my ambition was to become a CEO, and I had a couple of opportunities, but he said, Peter, don't do it. 
you will suck at it. It's not your thing and it will make you so unhappy. And he was so right. So I'm so grateful. <laughs> now, I've seen in several startups, starting a company as a founder and being the, the, the one and the, the first hires and things like that, and managing, leading a team of 70 persons, that's a different ball game, And it needs different skills. Some people can grow with the company. And some of them, because they are aware of it or the board asks them, they say, look, founder, it's great being CEO. Thank you. Now you need to become, I don't know, CTO, visionary, whatever title of COO, CIO, I don't care. Where are you? in that uh, situation that I just... Uh... I, <clears throat> I 100% agree. I think it's... Um, I, I think probably the, 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 the most important part for, for a CEO is to... Or actually, it's not a, as a CEO. It's as a co-founder, is to know what's best for your business. And then as a CEO, it's to know what's best for your team and how you drive your team to success. Uh, and, and I 100% agree. I think the co-founder doesn't always have to be the CEO. Uh, I think that's important. Um, I think it makes sense as long as the, 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 the one, there's still the drive and the passion and the ambition because it is an um, energy draining job to be a, the CEO of a, of a large, large scale up startup, if you want. Um, and and uh, it's definitely exponentially harder. So it's, if you're 35 or 70, it's not two times harder. It's like four times harder because you have to manage way more people issues and, and, and stuff like that. Um, I personally feel that, um, again, in a scale-up environment, you're a bit of an all-rounder and you do a bit of everything. And, and so I consider myself as the CEO, but I'm still also the head of product and sometimes the head of sales. I mean, you do a bit of everything and, and I find um, uh, um, energy draining, but still energy gaining uh, mix out of everything. Um, I hope I'm doing a good job at it also. So, uh, so, so I'm, I'm pretty happy to, to, to do. And for me, the most important thing is, is, is the learning path. Um, I feel that as soon as I stop learning at NodalView, it might be time that to, 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 to pass on. But, but now I'm, I'm so hungry to continue to learn because in, in, it's still all very new for me. Um, and so I'm still very, very passionate, very excited about what we still can achieve as a product, as a team, as a company uh, for, for our customers. Uh, and I think that's what drives me every day. And, and I still have this passion in building the team that will execute the vision more than just driving the vision, which, which, thinks, which I feel at least it means that I'm still in the, in the right position. But if in the future someone needs to, to, take, um, to take my spot because that person is better suited to drive the company, I think that's just normal and that's, that's the different phase of, of a company. Um, I don't think we're there yet today, but it, it could, of course, happen in the mm. future. And I'd be happy to find someone who has as much passion and as much drive and as much emotional attachment to the company as I have. Um, and that would mean that, that probably uh, there's a, some sort of success in, in what we've built at NodeView because it, it, it really drives me to see people being passionate um, about NodeView, about what we've built. And I think that's the, the, yeah, the thing that's the most rewarding as a, as a founder, to be honest, uh, beyond all of the rest. Mm. Thomas, what a great passion. It's so lovely to, to, to hear you talk. Richard Grinta, I would immediately buy your product uh, just because the, the energy you bring to the table, even if it's remotely. I want to thank you for an, uh, an, an hour full of golden nuggets you shared. And I wish you all the best with uh, Nodal View. Thanks a lot, Peter. It was a pleasure. Bye-bye.
Welcome to What's on Your Mind with Peter Snowart. Every week, a guest talks about his or her story, and that story can inspire you to change your own. Here's Peter. Peter. 